Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 134. No treble. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he was Darth Vader for Halloween, Pat Flynn. Halloween was awesome. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you'd like to see pictures of myself in a Darth Vader outfit, you can head on over to my uh, my Instagram page, instagram.com slash Pat Flynn. You'll also see pictures of my family members, all who were uh, characters from Star Wars. I think you'll enjoy my two-year-old in an R2-D2 outfit. Uh, so again, that's instagram.com slash Pat Flynn. And thank you. Thank you all so much for joining me today. This is episode 134 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. And I'm really excited because I've invited Dan Norris to come on the show with us. Dan Norris is a co-founder of the company called WP Curve. And I'll tell you what that company does in a second. It's a really awesome uh, solution uh, that a lot of people are using. Actually, I hadn't ever heard of them until about two months ago. And then I can't stop hearing about them now, which is, I think, a great sign of just how much they're growing and how well they're doing. And what's really cool about what they do is they post everything about their business on their site, how it's doing, how much money they're making, how many customers they have, marketing tactics they're using. They're very honest and authentic about what they do. And I love that. I have obviously, I mean, that's sort of what I do on my site. And so I wanted to invite Dan on here, not just to talk about and plug his company, which I think is actually a perfect solution for a lot of you out there. So this company, WP Curve, you pay a small monthly fee. And with that monthly fee, you get access to Dan and his team who are able to help you with any of the sort of WordPress problems that might occur on your site. If you're trying to tweak something and something breaks or perhaps you're trying to improve something, they will be there to help you. And for that small monthly fee, it's just so much more convenient and much more economical for a lot of people who are serious about their WordPress websites uh, because it can be fairly expensive to have a developer come on full-time or even half-time. And oftentimes when people hire developers to work with them on their WordPress sites, it could be hard to... 
uh, sort of keep them busy also. That's one thing I struggled with when I had a VA back in the day that was specific just for development stuff on my WordPress site. It was hard to keep him busy for 40 hours a week, you know? So I think this is the perfect solution, sort of an on-demand WordPress service for a small monthly fee. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of loyal customers for a reason because, again, they're completely honest and authentic and they're just an awesome company. It's a great solution. I think it's a fantastic idea and it's no wonder that their company is doing very well. Now, I didn't want to bring Dan on here to, uh, you know, just talk about his business and how it's been running. No, actually, I wanted to bring him on here because he's had access to all these people who are running WordPress and who come to him with problems and issues and needs for improvement. And so I wanted to come, I wanted him to come on the show today to talk about what the most common issues are that people are having on their WordPress site and also what we can all do from his perspective to improve and, and make our sites run better, not just for us and our back end and when we're in WordPress ourselves, but for our customers, for our readers, for our subscribers. What can we do to improve our website? So these are the crucial and common WordPress mistakes that that a lot of us make and how we can avoid them. And again, this is Dan from WPCurve.com. And by the way, if you'd like to go check out WPCurve.com and get hooked up with their service, I do have an affiliate link. I'm always honest about that. Uh, it is at smartpassiveincome.com slash WPCurve. But either way, this is going to be an awesome educational episode, sort of bullet point checklist. Am I doing this? Yes. Am I doing this? No. And then what you can do to improve if you're not doing those things. And actually at the end, Dan offers something very generous. Actually, he's going to offer feedback to all of you out there who do something a little special and leave a comment on the blog. And so just listen to the end for that. Um, he's doing it completely for free out of, out of the goodness of his heart. Um, love it. Thanks, Dan, for that. And uh, why don't we just dive right into the interview? Again, this is Dan Norris from WPCurve.com. Hey, what's up, Smart Passive Income community? Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to welcome Dan Norris, co-founder of WP Curve, a company that I've heard a lot about over the last few months and a lot of you have been using, uh, which is great. So, Dan, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Pat. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope I can provide some value to your audience. Oh, I'm sure you will. And as you can, for all you listening, you can obviously tell from Dan's accent that he's over in Australia. And this is actually working out perfectly because a lot of you know that I work late at night. Well, it's when it is it like morning right that right right now for you. Oh, it's it's two p.m. in the afternoon. But oh, yeah, if you want to get any more Aussies on the show, let me know because there's <laughs> there's some cool people down here. Yeah, no, I know. I was just there for Pro Blogger for Darren Rouse's event. I love Australia. I think if we had to move out of the U.S. for whatever reason, we'd head head on over to the Gold Coast. Are you whereabouts in Australia are you? I'm on the Gold Coast. I'm a bit further south than than um. I think you were hanging around around surfers sort of area, but I'm yeah. in Burley Heads, which is about ten k south of there. Dude, why didn't we hang out? Yeah, well, actually, I went to because I knew Chris was presenting at your event, and I went down to Sydney to catch up with him. Um, but yeah, uh, next time, okay. if you come here again, next time, let me know. Yeah, when when we come there again, well, my family <laughs> and I will definitely need to hook up. But anyway, uh, why don't you talk really quick about sort of you know what what is it that you do, and a little bit about your company, and then we'll we'll get into uh, you know providing value for the audience, like you said. Yeah, well, my business is wpcurve.com. We do unlimited um, small WordPress fixes, so thirty minute jobs and support. We run 24-7 and we've got a team all around the world, we're up to 21 people now, and we charge $69 a month for the small job service. And I mean, I could I could talk about our background if you like, but, but essentially, I've been building websites for a long time and that business didn't work out. I tried a bunch of other things and this one, we really hit on something about 14 months ago when we launched and just went from having nothing to now having 21 people and over 500 customers and 
up to I think thirty nine grand a month or something in revenue. So it's 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 been a bit of a crazy ride the last year. Yeah, that's awesome, Dan. Congratulations, first of all. And I think the this business solution is is quite perfect out there for a lot of people. Those especially who cannot hire a team uh, like I've recently done, but who need to have somebody on board just in case something goes wrong with WordPress. And for anybody who's worked with WordPress for a little bit, uh, we all know that things go wrong every once in a while, or sometimes quite often. Um, you know, you might break something, or you might be trying to you know add a plugin, and then things don't work or you're trying to move things from one side to the other and this, that, and whatever. And, you know, it's just like, it's a great, great solution. So it's funny that you're no longer building like complete websites, but you're helping everybody sort of uh, fine tune their own. Yeah, I think it's, it's sort of a reflection of what's happened with the industry. Like when we were building sites for people, when I started, you needed a developer to build your site. You even needed a developer just to make simple text changes or add any content. Um, and now, I mean, that's just completely reversed. So now I think what's really needed is a totally different service that you didn't need before. And that's sort of what, what we're trying to build. I love that. And again, thank you for coming on. A lot to talk about. Before we go on, just for anybody out there interested, um, I am an affiliate for WP Curve. I know a lot of people who have used it and to, you know, they're very happy with it. So my affiliate link is smartpassiveincome.com slash WP Curve. And, uh, you know, don't go there now. Listen to the rest of this episode because we're going to be talking about a lot of the things and I wanted Dan Dan to come on to talk about sort of the most common sort of requests or things that people do wrong with their WordPress site like for all of us that are out there whether we're beginner or advanced like you know Dan's getting Dan's getting a ton of information from all of his customers as far as what's what's breaking or what's not working or what needs to be improved so um, Dan why don't you take the lead and just take us you know through all of these things that you feel that we can all improve on you know so we don't uh, necessarily have to go and 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 you know get headaches all the time so what what are the common things that people are are dealing with with their WordPress site that we can all focus on yeah, well, I'm on the point of sticking around. Hopefully, at the end, if you'll let me, I've got something I'd like to offer to your audience. Um, oh, if, if I if I can, so if people stick around, that's that's another reason to do that. But in, in terms of WordPress, yeah, I guess I guess what you point out there is that it's not perfect, and I think WordPress is an incredible, incredibly powerful platform. And you know, I just went to a WordCamp on the weekend, and there was there was a presentation from News Corp about why they're moving their blogs and a bunch of other sites over to WordPress, and like there's huge companies using this. And it's pretty much infinitely extendable, um, and that means that it's not—it's not a really cut and dry solution like something, you know, like a Wix or a Squarespace or something. But it's much more powerful, and that means that there's problems come up from time to time. And um, so I guess it's a little bit of a compromise. But for us, we see probably the main sorts of things we deal with. Number one is we do proactive, like improvement type fixes, and then the second is we we do bug fixes. So I was sort of hoping to frame the conversation today into maybe a, a bunch of proactive type things you can do to improve your site, assuming that people listening have already got a WordPress site and they want to make it better. Um, and then also how to avoid a lot of the bugs that we see coming up that we're sort of dealing with every day. Love it. Let's get right into it. It's per- perfect. All right. So the the first one in terms of proactive WordPress suggestions and um this really has nothing to do with WordPress, but I think like I, I get a lot of people emailing me their sites and say like, what can I improve with my site? What plugin do I need? Or, you know, how do I get traffic? That kind of thing. And almost every time the reason I think why the site is not doing well is because they don't have very good content on the site. Mm. And that's probably a massive cliche. Right. Um, but you it's know, so like, true though. I mean, it's a cliche for a reason. It's so funny. Everybody wants the tool that's going to solve all, all the problems, but it's, it's just so funny that that's what you mentioned first. I think it's so appropriate. Yeah, so I, and it's sort of hard. It's not what people want to hear. Um, 
but you know installing yoast or installing you know something that's going to you know help you people share your content or something it's really not going to help if your content's not any good so I'm really big on content marketing and we put every second post I put up on my blog, I think I've put 600 up there and every second one is about content marketing. <laughs> yeah, you, um, your blog posts are great. I recommend everybody to go to WB Curve and check out the blog. The blog content's great. So in terms of making content better, what are some of the I don't know, the, the, the key things we should all be focusing on in, around that? Yeah, so I think I think in terms of mistakes people make, I think they, they try and focus on the quantity and they try to put out a lot of content. And I think um, you know, you're, you're a good example of this where like you, like the stuff you do is a really high quality. And like, if you look at your, you know, like your podcasting stuff, for example, like the videos are really high quality, the content's really good. And if, if you're putting out a lot of stuff where you're just focusing on doing a lot of content and, but it's not actually presenting itself very well, it's not actually really good con- content, then you're kind of wasting your time. Hmm. So I think if you can do one really good post a week, then that's a million times better than doing 10 you know, really standard posts a week. So I think focusing on quality. Um, another thing that we do that people seem a little bit surprised about is people kind of assume that because we're a WordPress company, we will create a lot of WordPress content, but but that's not what we do. We we create content that's interesting to entrepreneurs. And a lot of our content is, you know, our monthly reports or our entrepreneurship struggles or my startup book or whatever. It's all stuff that entrepreneurs are interested in and entrepreneurs are our best customers. Um, so you don't have to just create content around your niche and that's sort of like a, a thing people just automatically think that they have to do. And I don't think they do have to do that. Mm. Um, I, the other thing I like to do is pay attention to the language that my audience uses. Like I noticed when I first started blogging, I'd go to these blogs that had a lot of traction and that have a lot of comments on there. And you look at the comments and it was just people saying like, Oh, great post awesome post. I really like this post. And you'd read like 20 comments and they'd all be saying the same thing. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily indicate that it's a good post. So to me, I look at the language that people are using and I look at, I like it when people either demonstrate that you've connected with them like emotionally or um, either that, or you've done something extremely useful that they've been able to use. So like if someone says to me, well, I can really relate to this story, which I'm sure you get all the time. Um, that's when I know I've hit the mark because I, because these people are like really kind of deeply connected with the content. It's not just like, here's, here's 10 plugins you should use on your WordPress site. Um, either that or highly actionable. So if I, if I see someone reads a piece of content or replies to my email and says, this is awesome, I'm actually going to use this in my business, then that's, that's when I know I've hit the mark. Yeah. I love, I love that, Dan. I mean, my favorite comments are the ones that say like, wow, I felt like you wrote this just for me. Perfect. Or or, or yeah. the ones that are like, um, and I get this every once in a while, and that's how I know I hit in the mark when they say like, wow, are you like in my head right now? You Like you were just, you were yeah. reading my mind. And I love what you said there. There's a great quote by Jay Abraham. He said, if you can define the problem better than your target customer, they will automatically assume that you have the solution. So using and paying attention to that language is so, so critical. And one thing that I know the guys from Internet Business Mastery do, Jason and Jeremy, they run surveys for their audience and they pay close attention to the exact words that their audience uses, actually making spreadsheets and that that sort of thing of the words that, that their audience uses because those are the words that eventually end up on the sales pages. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um <clears throat> The, I think the language thing is something that people miss because they, like you really get caught up, especially when you start building an email list, when people just email you and kind of thank you for stuff and say, I really liked it. But like the stuff you pointed out, we're saying like, did you write this for me? 
that's that's like the essence of marketing. You're really you're really creating something that someone feels deeply connected with, and um, for us that leads to business. And depending on a lot of other factors, assuming the people listening have a good side and they've also got a good funnel and a good business that makes sense, mm-hmm. then I think it'll do the same thing. Yeah. So the, the other point, I don't. Are you happy for me to go through a whole bunch of stuff around content, or do you want me to just focus on the WordPress because I could probably talk all day? Oh uh, yeah, maybe a couple more things with content. Um, I mean, I think we all know how important that is, but these are great tips. Maybe a, a one or two more um, really important tips for content, and then we can move on. Okay. Cool. So the the next one I want to talk about is uh, another thing I get all the time is like, did did you get customers out of this? And like, for example, I just launched my book this week and people are already, and it's a free book and people are already saying like, oh, how many customers did you get out of this? Um, but almost every time we do any kind of content marketing, there's never a measurable increase in customers. And so I think at least for us, it's not, content marketing is not like a lead generation, immediate lead generation form of marketing. It's more of a brand building exercise. And I know the marketers, the hardcore marketers and statisticians who are listening are not going to like that. But it's very, very hard to measure. And um, for us, I don't worry too much about direct ROI for things like podcast interviews or book launches or whatever. Um, I just know that if my content is connecting with people and I'm building that community and audience, then eventually they're going to be aware of the WP Curve brand. And when they have a WordPress problem, it's going to be us they think of as opposed to, as opposed to someone else. Yeah, I love that. Um in terms of the other stuff, the other stuff is probably general sort of things that you'll hear from most content marketers. Creating longer detailed posts is something that works really well for us. I like to include really specific things in our content. Like if I read a piece of content that's been written for our site and it doesn't have like at least 10 links off to other companies or, you know, at least 10 statistics or examples from other companies or screenshots from their website, then I know it's not a post that's suitable for our site. Mm-hmm. So the really, really fine level of detail and actionable stuff works. Um, obviously build an email list. I don't think I need to talk, talk to your audience about that because you've, you've obviously covered that a lot. Um, probably, probably the last thing I'd like to do is talk about design because another really big differentiator between, uh, you know, like a really nice blog and just every other blog is, is these blogs nowadays, they're coming out and they're, they're, the designers are working like and are an integral part of the content. So if you look at something like a Groove HQ is a good example or Help Scout, um, Look at their their two blogs and the design is amazing and you can see that every single post, not just the theme, but every single post has custom design like illustrations and layout. The Help Scout one is really good. Like the posts are really nice. And when you go and look at it, it's a huge credibility builder. So I think if you can I mean you start with the WordPress theme and make sure the theme's good. But if you can if you got a if you got an eye for design or if you can just really pay attention to what these great blogs are doing, then it's an opportunity for you to stand out above and beyond everyone else that's that's kind of grabbing people's attention. Yeah, I'm actually on helpscout.net <laughs> slash blog right now. And you're right, the the it just looks super clean. Um, very shareable, obviously. These are the things that help you get links and help you improve your rankings. Just all around, I mean, design does play a major role in the success of your blog. I, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, and I know you you had a big redesign, and and um, I think it's it's a credibility thing too. It's like not everyone can get that really nice looking design. Some people have a really good sense for it, or some people can afford it, or whatever. But it's a it's a it's a way to separate you from everyone else, and and a really easy way to hack that is just to get a really nice looking theme and make sure it's a really simple one. Like we've, we, we've, I've got a couple of other businesses we've used them for and we've used um, some theme forest themes that are they're just really nice, responsive, simple, lots of white space. And all we've had to do is change the logo at the top 
and they've looked a lot nicer than most of the blogs you see. Um, the other thing is just taking anything out that you absolutely don't need. So like if you look at the Groove HQ blog, they don't even have a sidebar. Um, and other blogs, if they do have a sidebar, there's only a couple of things in it. And that's like our blog. We've only got one thing in our sidebar, our homepage. We don't have anything. We don't have any sharing buttons. Just taking stuff out so it's really clean and simple. Yeah. And that, uh, that site you just mentioned to pick up nice, clean themes, which I've done myself before, specifically for landing pages and sales pages for other sites, uh, themeforest.net. I believe that that's what it was, the, right? Yeah. The interesting thing about ThemeForest, it's an Australian company, um, Envato, and they're they're, according to Alexa, they're the busiest or the most popular Australian-owned website in the world. No way. Which is absolutely crazy. It gives you an idea of how big WordPress is. If the most popular website in the world owned by an Australian <laughs> is that Envato. That's so, funny. Crazy. That's cool. All right, so let's move on from content. Like, What other things can we do on our WordPress site specifically to, to just make it better, improve it, and, and have better results? Yeah, so the number two I've got is Yoast SEO, which, I mean, you've probably heard about this everywhere, but Yoast SEO is good for general SEO stuff. It's good for handling um, submission to webmaster tools and things like that, and it's also really good for optimizing individual posts. So as an example, if I'm going to create a post on WordPress speed, website speed, I will go in, create the post, and then I'll Yoast is all in there in the editor, and all I have to do is put in the keyword WordPress speed, it will check everything, all the major key things. Like we don't do much with SEO at all other than like what Yoast tells us. And that's a really, really simple way to start. And it's, it's probably better than anything else out there. And there's a lot of resources that, that help you to use it as well. So that's that's the second one that we generally would install on pretty much every WordPress site. Okay, so for everybody out there who doesn't know what this Yoast thing is, Yoast is, uh, is that the guy's name, Yoast? Or... Uh, his name's like, I think his name's Juiced. Juiced Vander or something. I don't remember his name, but he's an awesome guy, super helpful, has created a lot of plugins. His most popular plugin, uh, or one of the most popular plugins for WordPress he's created is called Yoast, S-E-O, Y-O-A-S-T. I think his website's at yoast.com. Um, yeah, Juice DeVolk. Juice DeVolk is the guy's name, but they've got Yoast SEO is is, is sort of almost become the standard SEO plugin, and we use the Yoast Analytics plugin as well. They've got lots of really good content up on their site as well. So in, before it used to be the all-in-one SEO plugin. That's the one. That yeah, I think was I think one of the things that Yoast does, which is really cool, is like generally I don't do any keyword research anymore, and I know that's sort of borderline slack, but I would rather focus on great content and Yoast has something that's pretty limited but it's quite useful inside the post so when I go into the post I'll start putting in like WordPress speed or something and it'll it'll suggest the keywords and then it will automatically check the the um address of the page the title the h1 tag the heading and the um URL and the meta description and basically make sure all that's right all within the post so you don't have to leave WordPress and I think that's like a bit of a game changing thing especially if you don't really understand SEO and want to like go deep with it. Right. It's just perfect for all the basic stuff. It even has a preview editor, I think. I mean, it, it also like shows you what the search result will eventually look like in Google. So yeah. you can make sure that that is the way it should be. And you'd get a preview of what it looks like and see if it's actually worth clicking on. Uh, yeah, my, my understanding of, and hopefully I won't butcher this because I'm no doubt there's people in your audience that know more about SEO than me, but, but my understanding of like the description and, and stuff in Google is that it's not based on character count, it's based on pixel width. So um, Yoast will show you a demo of what it looks like and if it's cutting it off, then you know you can you can sort of 
like end it so it looks nice and clean rather than it cutting off the words. Yeah, that's really cool. Quick question about Yoast SEO plugin before we move on. For those of us who have all-in-one SEO plugin, would you recommend uninstalling that and then installing Yoast? I wouldn't, know. I think it's too much work. Okay. I, I think it probably depends on the site, but I think the, the main benefit of Yoast is just the simplicity of managing each post. So I think I wouldn't be making drastic changes to SEO for any reason, let alone just to use a slightly better plugin. Um, I would probably just recommend making sure you know how to use all-in-one SEO. And I think there's a bunch of stuff in all-in-one that make it easier to do like bulk editing and things, which mm-hmm. I don't think Yoast has quite a good handle on. So I think moving across is is not necessarily the best idea if you've got a huge site that's already optimized. Right, right. Yoast has, though, become the standard. So if you're starting a new site or if you have just started a site, uh, you can look up in the WordPress plugin repository or within your WordPress uh, dashboard, Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T. Cool. Yep. Um, so in terms of proactive stuff, the other one I've got in here is one called Floating Social Bar, and it's put out by the guys at WP Beginner. I've, I've experimented with about six or seven different sharing widgets, um, mostly free ones because our audience sort of either has one already and they kind of want to know if it's the best one. Mm-hmm. And we recommended Dig Dig for a while, but the Dig Dig doesn't work very well at all on mobile. And we're getting customers that are getting like 70% of their traffic on mobile. So it's just not an option. Oh, um, yeah. And the floating social bar does a couple of cool things. One is it locks to the top when you scroll down on the, um, like on a computer, mm-hmm. but then when it's on mobile, it just behaves like a normal sharing bar so it doesn't it doesn't lock which is good because you've only got a small amount of space and it doesn't play up like dig dig does yeah that's cool so wp beginner created floating social bar i think that's one you can also get in the wordpress uh plugins repository yeah so uh floating social bar is what it's called and of course we're going to mention or actually place all these links and all the names of these things in the uh, resource page in the show notes, which I'll give you uh, after we finish the call with Dean here. So don't worry if you're not writing all this down right now. Um, I do know Saeed uh, from WP Beginner is a great guy doing a lot of great stuff for WordPress uh, people. So if you aren't yeah. up on WPBeginner.com, even just for the content, it's uh, it's fantastic. So cool, great resource. Yeah, WP Beginner is awesome. And, and that's, that's sort of also part of the reason why we don't get too carried away with doing like how-to WordPress posts because part of content is creating something that that the industry needs mm-hmm. and like how to wordpress stuff is so well done by guys like wp beginner that it's just it doesn't really even make sense for us to do it um so ma- anyway maybe that's another consideration if your listeners are kind of wanting to create content is looking at what else is out there and what the gaps are i know noah kagan that's sort of his approach um and that's worked worked really well for him on his blog yeah noah's great his blog is at okdork.com yeah, and his episode on your show was probably probably the best one I've I've heard. He's 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 a machine. <laughs> yeah, people still talk about that. People are still doing the Starbucks experiment and uh, still talking to me about that. If you haven't heard that, uh, we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, very cool. So the other one I've got here is discuss comments, and maybe this will be controversial because I I've, I know a lot of people tell me they don't like discuss, but I can't figure out why. Um, I I think the the, the inbuilt WordPress comments aren't very good. You'll get a lot of spam. Um, Discuss gives you a couple of things for me. The first thing it gives you is it generally increases the quality of your comments because there's a bit of a barrier. There's a bit of friction there for people to make a comment. They have to register. Um, And I think that's a good thing because I only want good comments on my blog. And it gives you the ability to moderate 
via email, which is really handy if you're not at your computer. And it pretty much cuts out all spam. I, actually, I'd be interested because you use Discuss, don't you? Do you get a lot of spam? Uh, I recently switched from the WordPress sort of default with a nice styling just to make it look nice. I switched from that to Discuss. I always called it Discus. I don't know why. Dis- the, Discus could be right. I, sure. I, the, the Q screws me up and I can't spell <laughs> it. It's, it's, it's not my favorite name, but it works really well. And since switching, the quality of the comments is definitely gone way up and yep. at the same time the quantity has gone down however yep. i feel like people if they have a legit comment they want to leave they'll take just an extra second to you know log in through one of those social networks or you know you can actually uh log in as a guest too or not log in just leave a comment as a guest so that little extra work actually does cut out a huge amount of the spam and it has been a lot easier for me to moderate and of course back when i just had the wordpress there were sort of spam control tools like Akismet, but for some reason Akismet hated me. Like it would <laughs> block every legit comment and even my own. So I yep. just got super frustrated. And Discuss has definitely been a great solution. There's a lot of other ones out there. I think there's one called LiveFire and, mm-hmm. and, and ones that will do the same thing. But I really like the conversations that are happening on the blog now. And they're all legit. And, um, you know, there's less of the just, hey, great, great post. There's actually yeah. legit comments and no spam and uh, threaded comments so people can have conversations. You can upvote different comments as well just to create more of a community aspect and a lot of, you know, you can sort comments while you're reading them through newest or by oldest or by best and it's just it, it's just been great and, and so I, I second that recommendation. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of other things it does too is, is when you reply, you generally get, you see the emails when they come in for other people replying so it, it creates like a almost like a mini forum which mm. is cool. Mm-hmm. And um, I totally agree about the quantity versus quality. It's exactly the same with the content. If I if I want people posting on my site, then I would much prefer less less quantity and more quality. Um, and and the spam thing is huge. I know a lot of people with busy site. I can't imagine how you used to deal with spam on your site. But even just on on my site, it's that it's that's something you definitely should not be spending your time on. It was I I was getting at some point over six figures, a hundred thousand spam comments a month. Wow. Yeah, it was. Pretty- oh, actually, the other thing I was going to mention is a cool thing with Discuss or Discus, depending on how you want to pronounce it, is you can import the, the comments from WordPress. So um, that that's something that people don't sometimes don't realize. Like you can, if you move over to, to Discuss, you can import all of the existing comments mm. so that it's not like you're starting again from scratch. Yeah, that was one big thing for me and one thing I was afraid of. But we definitely just pulled all the other comments from our database and put them right into discuss and uh, it was seamless yeah okay so the other thing i want to talk about is making your site fast and this was one of the so so when i do make exceptions to write wordpress content i I I generally make it about important things and this is one of the posts i wrote was about how to get your wordpress site to load in under one second um well this is speed affects so many aspects of having a website that it's it's almost the main thing we work on because it affects SEO, it affects you know usability, um, it affects bandwidth usage. If you if you've got loads of you know in, inefficient images up there, um, it, I don't I didn't think I said SEO. It affects SEO. If your site's slow, it's going to be bad SEO. It just affects pretty much absolutely everything. So um, bounce rate, everything. Um, so I think in terms of making your site fast. And I'm not sure where you're at in terms of recommending hosts, but we generally recommend WP Engine. We've had good experiences with them, and our site is very fast. Their support is good. 
we, we generally recommend having less than 20 plugins. I mean, zero plugins would be great if you can do that, but it's always a compromise. So less than 20 is pretty good. We've seen sites with 50 or 60 and they just, they barely even load. Um, <laughs> that was one thing. I, I hired somebody to help me f- uh, speed up my site. And the first thing he said was, you have way too many plugins. Yeah, I think some plugins are worse than others too. So it's not quite as simple as have a lot of plugins and therefore you've got a slow site. But um, it's it's generally an easy win because you can simply just go and turn off plugins that either pr- pr- provide functions that you can get to get done elsewhere, like analytics or um, like related post plugins. Some of them are like really slow and, and demanding on the server. The other other thing on here is CDN and caching. And, and one of the reasons I like WP Engine is because they have that built in. But if you don't, then something like Cloudflare can be good, uh, can be good or Mac CDN. Um, and if you need a, a cache plugin, I think there's W3 Total Cache, which we've used before. Um, again, ideally, there's a bunch of stuff you're better off doing on the server and not doing in WordPress. Mm-hmm. And caching is one of them. But if if you are just getting started and you don't want to pay the you know the, a lot of money that WP Engine charges, then some kind of caching plugin is is an option for that. Right. Um, optimizing images is a really big one. It, just about every single site we look at, the images are too big because people don't understand how to optimize them for the web. So I, I like to just go into the Pingdom site test tool, and it will tell you exactly how big the size is and uh, the site is. And if it's over one megabyte, then I think you can probably do some work to get it smaller. Um, and are, if you want, th- there are some tools out there that, that uh, web-based tools, right? You could use to resize your pics. I think there's even one called PicaResize.com. Yep. Definitely, you can do that, or um, you can also use. There's a WP Smush it, I think, is the name of the plugin that can optimize existing images. Um, oh, that's right. That was a. Oh, I've used that a long time ago. Smush it, and you can actually reduce the image size on your WordPress dashboard, right? Yep. Cool. Um, and there's also like there's there's speed test tools. I've I've got I've got a post up on my site if you want to link to it. It's about WordPress speed, and I go through. There's about five or six different tools that I link to on there, but some of them will actually optimize the images for you, which is a really kind of cool thing. It won't just tell you that your image is too big, but it will also optimize them for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll um, link to that post. I'll, uh, remind me to, or just send me the link after this, and we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, um, and just overall page size as well. It might not be images. It could be something else. It could be just too much stuff on the page, like too many big plugins or big external JavaScripts or whatever. The external scripts is a really big one for speed because it's just all the external server calls. So if you've got, I've seen blogs that have like their clout score over on the right hand side. They've got their follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add me on Google Plus, um, and you know, like every every external thing you can possibly think of, and they take about twenty seconds to load because they're going off to so many external sites. Mm. Um, and that's that's an easy fix if you're prepared to compromise and something like clout score and things can, can literally just be taken off because they're not probably not doing a whole lot. I think people just get in the habit of seeing something they want it and they add it to the site, not really realizing the implications of it. Right. Right. Um, speed wise, a, a couple of other things, keeping plugins up to date is really important because the developers are constantly improving the efficiency of plugins and the WordPress core. So keeping it up to date, um, some plugins are particularly problematic and a good source for that is, WP Engine um, list the ones that they don't allow on their platform. And it's things like um, related post plugins and, and ones that are particularly draining on the database. Mm-hmm. So if you've got those kind of ones, and Discuss actually does that. We use the Discuss related post feature. Do you use that on your site? I do, yeah. So at the bottom of the comments, you'll see other posts related to that post that um, people have commented on. 
Yeah. So if you try to do that on your site, a lot of this, uh, the, some of the plugins that do that are like really smashing your database. Um, so that's that's a, a good thing to get rid of if it's causing a problem. Um, another good way to to reduce the amount of plugins is to use an external systems where possible. So for something like analytics, you can you can use Google Analytics. It doesn't you don't have to use the back end of WordPress for that. For like CRM type stuff, you can use an external thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Backup is another good example. Backup plugins can slow WordPress down, and it's all about compromise. If you want to make a simple backup and your host doesn't let you do that, then you need it. But if not, then that's that's another way you can reduce it. Um, another thing I like to do is speed up high traffic pages. So it's something that people don't think of that often, but really when you think about it, there's there's probably only two or three pages on your site that get 80% of the traffic. It's like the 80-20 thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be your homepage, your blog homepage, your about page, and probably like your sign-up page. Like in our case, our, for a business, our sign-up page gets a huge amount of traffic as well. Um, and you can you can optimize those pages very easily because you just go into Google Analytics, sort by landing page or like top content, and spend an extra amount of effort on those pages. So in our case, our homepage, we've done stuff on our homepages that we wouldn't do on every other page because it's like a whole lot of effort. It's a couple, couple of days' work to kind of get – that stuff really optimized, hmm. um, but it's worth it because we're getting thousands and thousands of visitors on that page. And if they have a good experience on that page, they're probably going to stick around. So that's a really easy win. Um, and one final tip for speed, if you're really, really keen or if you're a developer, then one thing you can do is load resources after the page loads. So depending on if it's needed on the page, if if you can kind of save it and use code so it loads after the person sees the site, then it's basically like, the person thinks it's loading quicker than it is. So that's one thing you can do if you're like super, super keen. That's cool. Nice. Um, so, okay. So in terms of the proactive suggestions, the other stuff I've got is make it mobile responsive. And what we normally do for that is simply check their Google Analytics and look at what percentage of people are coming through on mobile. And if it's reasonable and you've got a proper business where like you care if people have a good experience on mobile and you're losing business if they don't, then it's a, it's a no-brainer to make it mobile responsive. Yes, um, please do that. Oh man, so many people are visiting on mobile now, and um, you know Greg Hickman from Mobile Mix has a lot of incredible, very eye-opening stats about mobile uh, marketing and and people coming on on your website. It's just, I mean, you got you got to have a mobile responsive site, or you know, and that's different than uh, mobile friendly. You know, you don't want to have yeah. to have people sort of pinch and zoom. And yes, you could see the website and it looks just like yours on a phone. But it's, you know, in order to get things done and, and have people do what you want them to do when they get there, whether it be sign up to an email list or read a blog post or even purchase a product, uh, you, you've got to make it responsive. You've got to make that user experience there uh, there for them. And, and something that Greg says is like, we, we can't control where people are coming or viewing our websites. We have to cater to them and wherever they want to, to view our websites. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. I've had people who have got mobile responsive sites and then tell us, oh, I, I don't like my site on mobile. I like the way this site looks on mobile. And they'll show us a site that isn't mobile responsive. And they're like, I like it how you can see the whole thing. And I'm like, just take a deep breath and have a look at that site and think, is that really a good experience? Like you're having to zoom in and click stuff and miss. And so the responsive, the mobile site should look different to the main site. It should have more space, bigger text, Um a lot, generally, a lot of stuff can just be taken out. Um, the sidebar, I, I normally either take the sidebar out or put it underneath the content. Um, and I'm, I'm sure just go to your site for an example, but that's really important. And we've had companies that are like local 
for example, fitness companies, any kind of local business, um, fitness like gyms and yoga studios and stuff. And I've just been amazed, like some of them are getting 60, 70% mobile traffic and almost always they're going to the one page. So that's the other thing you can do is get in analytics and work out what the mobile customers are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, there's one way you can do that is use custom segments, which is kind of a little bit advanced and maybe I don't, I don't need to talk through the detail of that, but sometimes it's just logical. Like if you're a gym, you know that your customers are getting on there to look at the timetable. So even if you just make that page mobile responsive and just put a big button up the top, then 90% of them are going to have a better experience than what they're having at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And and also if you want to see what people are clicking on, um, including on mobile, uh, something that's been very eye-opening for me is using the tool called Crazy Egg, which will allow you to do confetti maps or heat maps for what people are looking at and what people are doing when they get to your site, both on desktop and mobile. Yep, sounds good. Um, The the, the mobile stuff, people have been talking about it for years, and and I was sort of a little bit skeptical at first, but the last couple of years, I mean, it literally is getting to the point where people are using their phones more than their computers, so it's a must-have. Luckily, most of the themes that get made now are, are mobile responsive, which is cool, so if you've got a new site, then obviously check for that, but you almost don't have to now. Like the high-quality theme companies, like all of them are mobile responsive, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, but for existing sites, it's it's generally quite a bit of work to make something fully mobile responsive. Indeed. The other thing I've got in here, which is um, which I like, which is an app called Swift Type Search, and the WordPress search is not very good. Swift Type have a few little features in there that make it much better. The main one is it's got that sort of instant predictive search thing. I don't know what they call it, but if you type in type in say income report on your on your blog you would you would get a drop down of the best results so you don't even have to go to that ugly search page you can just type it in automatically click that and it will take you off there so it's a more accurate search and it's also that instant search functionality and if you pay for an account you can do some really interesting stuff around like sending people to certain pages when they search for certain keywords which is pretty cool wow no way i never knew about this and so many people complain about my search uh, results on my site. This is definitely a tool we're going to be um, looking looking to install or at least uh, research a little bit further. This is this is great. I mean, I think you know a lot of people come to the site looking for specific items. It might not be the easiest thing to look through the archives, and people want the most direct way to get there. Uh, I'll explore this. I haven't heard of this before, but uh, it seems like a lot of big names are using it already. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't haven't really looked at who else is using it, but I've the WordPress search has just always been one of those things where like you put the exact word for something and you know you've got a post on that and you put it in and the results just don't reflect that and you're yeah. just thinking what, what what's going on <laughs> um, so that's swift type swift type with yeah one, and it's actually one free t. oh it's free that's yeah. better <laughs> it, yeah sometimes they make it kind of hard to get to the free plan but um if you look closely enough you'll find you'll find it so Let's yeah see here. Um, there is a paid version but the maybe if you can find the direct link for the, for the free version for people and link them through to that Oh no, it's 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 quite easy. Uh, so Swift okay. type F S W I F T Y P E, um, and then go to plans, and you'll see the Swift type plans for individuals right there, free. Oh cool, okay, yeah. Well, I think when I first started using it, they just had like a tiny link underneath all the other plans, and it was sort of hard to find. But that's cool; they've stopped doing that because that's a bit annoying. <laughs> um, awesome, thank you for that. Yeah, landing pages is the other thing. Um, just something like lead pages or unbounce or or optimize press or whatever you want to use for that but especially for for off-site content like if, if we do like a slide share presentation and at the end have a call call to action back to the site then send that to a landing page for email opt-in and that i mean you've talked about this on your show so that's 
a no-brainer, but that's like a huge conversion win. Um, SEO is the other thing. As I mentioned, I don't fuss over SEO, and we we rank for some really good keywords um, all through putting out good content. But there are four things that I definitely do do all the time. That's turn on permalinks, um, and that's just making sure when you write a post on WordPress speed, the address is wpcurve.com forward slash WordPress hyphen speed. Um, so most of your audience probably should have that covered. Um, making sure the theme uses H1 and title title tags with the content from the page title. And that might be something you need to get a developer to look at for a few seconds, but it's it's really easy to make sure it does that. Um, making sure the theme is coded well and loads quickly. This can be a big problem. Even like some of the top themes on ThemeForest, they're really big and bloated. And uh, that that can actually hurt SEO. So just clean, clean modern coding is really important with SEO. Um, and then just making sure that you target specific keywords with your blog post, like I mentioned with the Yoast thing before. So they're like the four things that I make sure our clients are, are doing. Um, there's a bunch more stuff you can do, but that's like the kind of the minimum that people should really be doing. Absolutely. The other thing I've got in here is getting to know your customers. And we use live chat software on our site for that. And ever since we launched our business, we've we've had that live chat on there. And that's a really good way to do it. There's other apps like Qualaroo. I don't know if, I think that's pretty expensive. Um, but I don't know if you've seen it. That's the one where like they ask a specific question when you're on the site and like go through a little survey. Mm-hmm. No, t- but, tell us more about the. What, what do you mean live chat? Like if somebody visits your site and all of a sudden somebody will pop up and be like, hey, person, like I'm here. Yeah, to you can you. do it that way. Um, that's sort of a little bit more of an aggressive way to do it. But just having that live chat button on every page, I think if, especially if you're like a new startup or you're just getting like you're just putting out your blog and you're just wanting to kind of know the kind of stuff that people are thinking you want to talk to some of your customers, then it's just a super easy way to do it. Well, one thing that was interesting when we launched our business is I thought that we would use live chat for support um, because it's effectively like a, like when I launched it, it was like live WordPress support. Mm -hmm. Um, But we use it way more for sales and for like customer development. So people come on the site and they talk to us, they tell us what they want. In the early days, that was really, really cool. Um, and, and for sales as well, like people come on there and like, I think they just use it as a proof thing. They're like, is this actually a real company? Mm-hmm. And when you talk to them and have a chat to them, they can see you're reasonable and you can convert them a lot easier. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of live chat. That's cool. What's the name of the tool that you guys use? Um, well, well, I've actually got a live chat app I'm working on myself called helloify.com. Um, but we use, we've used Olark in the past, which is a really well-known one. Um, the main difference with Helloify is the whole team can be on there. So it's like live chat meets team chat. Um, but Olark is the one we use when we launched WP Curve and they're, they're really good. It's it's all quite simple to install and, and it's quite cheap. I think for one user, it's like 15 bucks a month or something. So it's well worth it. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, this is another thing that I don't hear people talking about a lot, but looking at what happens when you Google your brand. And this happens a lot for people who aren't really established, like with your brand, you, you it's kind of given that everything's going to look good when you go into Google. Google's like smart enough to follow all the links and kind of work out what's important. But with new sites, we get asked all the time, like, how do I get the site links in the Google results? Um, how come the description is the way it is? How come the title is the way it is? So a couple of things you can do with webmaster tools is you can submit your site maps. You can remove site links. So you can't tell Google what to put in those site links. Um, which are the little links that come up under your name. Like if you go into Google and put your your company name in there, ideally you'll get a couple of links underneath as well as your main URL. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's something in there you don't want in there, which often there is, you can remove them with webmaster tools. 
You can also check keywords and you can disavow links for from sites that are like sending you dodgy links. Um, and you can use Yoast for the description and title. So if, if Google's like cutting, you can see if they're cutting off your title or if it's just not saying the right thing, not not representing your brand well, then you can use a combination of webmaster tools and Yoast to make sure that that all looks really good. Because a lot of people will just go into Google and put your name in and you'll never know because analytics don't tell you what the keywords anymore. Um, but it's worth just doing yourself to see how it looks. Right. Nice. So that they're my top 10. That's like proactive stuff. Um, the other the other things, I don't know. If, did you have other stuff to add to that? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, uh, you, I, I was uh, curious to see what you were going to say. And you, you covered a lot of what I had sort of already known or wish I had known when I had first started. But they, these are definitely great things to, like you said, be proactive about. What, are, what about the things that we could do to sort of just beware of? Yeah, I should be able to rattle these things through pretty quick because these are like these come up all the time. Um, okay, cool. So the top 10, not updating WordPress or plugins, which I'm sure people know already. If you log into WordPress in the back end and you've got numbers everywhere, then you're doing something wrong. So part of our thing is like not having any numbers. So you, you'll get a little number that says you need to upgrade WordPress or you need to upgrade plugins or you've got a bunch of comments outstanding or, you know, certain plugins might have a like, little numbering system that needs your attention. Mm -hmm. I just like to – I'm a minimalist, so you, I like to log into WordPress and not see any numbers. And yeah. That's, that's a really good way to be. Um, it's good for security, good for speed. It's just good for everything. So make sure you do that. Dan, um, question about that. WordPress often comes out with new updates, um, especially if it's like, you know, the, 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 the new major ones like, you know, 3.8, 3.9, And I know some people, including myself, are sometimes weary of updating when it's a brand new version because, you know, there might be bugs and like, where do you stand on that? Do we upgrade the moment WordPress tells us to, or do we sort of wait a couple of days to see if other people's sites break first? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I don't like waiting. I think it's become really predictable now, and WordPress are just doing a really good job of making sure. I mean, if you, if it's set to it, WordPress will now upgrade automatically. And it's actually interesting because I saw they did like a survey recently about the new version, and they were sort of asking people like, "Do you like the auto updating feature? Um, do you think it'd be good if we auto updated plugins?" and so I think it's definitely going in that direction. Um, yeah, that's kind of what Apple's really, done with their iPhone yeah. apps, like just kind yeah. of auto updating everything. And I, I don't, I haven't come across too many examples where we've upgraded WordPress and had major issues. Um, I know, like in older versions, it used to happen, but I think it's pretty stable these days. And I would much rather be secure. And especially, I mean, for our customers, if they have a problem, we're right there. So if something breaks, we can just revert. We always back up before we do it. Right. Um, and. Again, depending on your host, if you're on something like WP Engine, you can just click one button to back it up, and they even prompt you to make sure you do that before you upgrade it. So it's kind of hard to screw up. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of keeping it up to date. Nice. Um, proactive stuff. Having a dodgy host is definitely a common reason why sites are slow. They get hacked. Um, they crash. The server goes down. We've had we've had customers on dodgy hosts that they're just, just like hosts with like unlimited accounts, and whatever reason they've – they're on a bad server or something and the sites are just running so slow that they barely even load. Um, and they're really prone to hacking because they haven't really worked out a lot of that managed WordPress stuff that, that kind of hardens the, the server. Um, so as soon as you can, and I know like when you start, you have to go with the cheapest host you can find, which is cool. But as soon as you can afford to upgrade hosting, I think it's always a good investment to do that. Um, Again, out of word, out of that WordPress installation we talked about, and plugins, plugins is probably the main thing. Like the plugins could could either be out of date or they could just be inactive. 
and like the developers kind of forgotten about them. Um, and 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 they could have have security problems in there as well. So it's always good to get plugins from a reliable source. And again, less plugins is better because there's less chance of having a dodgy plugin that's no longer supported. Mm. Um, we we have a lot of clients with customized themes. And probably three or four years ago, it used to be standard to get like every site you build, you'd get a standard like a custom theme just for you. These days, it's less and less the case. I mean, people now kind of go to Theme Forest or Elegant Themes or Woo Themes, choose the theme, and then make a few tweaks to it. Um, but we get a lot of customers with like a heavily customized theme. And when the new version comes out, because it hasn't been done properly, it hasn't, they haven't used child themes and they've just kind of hacked it, then it's almost impossible to upgrade the theme without a, a lot of work. So I would suggest avoiding hacking the hell out of the theme, mm-hmm. getting a good developer who knows how to code and knows how to do child themes. Um, and you're going to avoid a lot of problems if you do that. Nice. Um, so child themes is, is another thing. If, if you've got a framework that supports child themes, just ask your developer, um, if you're, if you're making a change to this theme, are you using child themes and that way you can upgrade the main theme and things aren't going to crash. Um, if you're listening to this and you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say child themes then just ask your developer. And if you do, then you, you probably know what to do anyway. Um, too many plugins we've, we've talked about and that could be security issue or it could be like just plugins clashing because they're. I don't know, they're like calling the, the same script and other plugins calling or something like that. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of coding standards for building WordPress plugins. A lot of people don't follow them because they're just going to build one plugin. They don't know about the standards. So getting a plugin for a reputable source, one that's been updated recently, one that gets good reviews. The plugin directory is a good place to get them, the WordPress plugin directory, because they're all really careful about what they let in there and there's a review system and everything else. Um, I'd be hesitant to kind of just go into Google and search for plugins and grab something. Yeah. So old and unsupported plugins, another one I've, I've talked about. Hard coding in the theme is another one where people have just like hard coded in titles or images or, you know, like sometimes you'll get a whole homepage that you can't edit at all in WordPress. And it's just the de- developer has built the whole thing in the theme. And that means that you can't change it. You need a developer to change it. So that's the sort of stuff we work on all the time. Yeah, I, um, I've tried hacking in my themes back in the day and, it always ruined everything, so definitely hire somebody. <laughs> yeah. Images is another one that we've seen some crazy stuff with images, like images that are like 4,000 pixels wide, and they're just showing on the site at like 200 pixels. I've seen like sidebar images that look like they're 200 pixels, but when you open the image, they're like 4,000 pixels. Um, and if you're uploading images to your site and you don't understand what I mean when I say, when I talk about the size of the pixel, size of the image, then... It's just something you need to learn. It's that simple. You just can't upload massive images to the web without optimizing them. If you don't understand it, you need to spend some time learning about image optimization and making sure the images you put up are small in file size. And if you want a really general rule, don't put anything up that's over about 100 kilobytes. And even even like big featured graphics kilobytes? and stuff. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a it's a very rough rule, but if if people want a rule, then that's what I would say, and that's pr- that's for a pretty big image. Like even big featured graphics can generally be optimized to under a hundred kilobytes, um, unless they're like a huge background image or something. What if it's like a an infographic, you know, where it's all graphic? Like I can't imagine one being under a hundred kilobytes. Like, would you recommend, for example, having like a thumbnail of it, and then when you click on it, it goes to the bigger one? No, I think there's probably a few things you can do with infographics. I think for infographics, it's kind of expected. Like if it's just on a blog post page, right. then it's kind of expected that it's going to take a while to load. Um, but what 
we generally do is for one thing we would optimize the graphic based on the style of the graphic and this is something i see that not done very often like you'll see a really flat style infographic and now they will have exported it as a jpeg and they could have just done it as a gif or like a a low quality png which still would have been perfect quality because it's just a flat graphic um and it would have been a quarter of the size so you can still optimize those images even though they're big in size that doesn't mean the file size has to be big and the other thing is what we normally do is we'll put it in at like 640 pixels wide if that's what your blog is and then when you click on it it'll just open up a, a bigger high-res version in a new window that's cool i'm over at the oatmeal.com right now just like you know, they do comic strips and most of their posts are all images. And I went to download the first one I saw just to see if it was big. And it's 94 kilobytes. So, oh, there you go. They're, they're, <laughs> they're listening. Is this live? I think so. <laughs> nice, yeah. I mean, nice it's, sometimes it's, it's really like it's a real skill optimizing images. Um, and it becomes a bigger issue depending on the on the page. But if you but obviously if you you wouldn't put a gigantic infographic on your homepage anyway, you'd probably put it on a post page, which is going to get a fraction of the traffic. Um, but yeah, de- definitely worth learning about image optimization. Um, and the last thing I've, I've got here is plugins not supported with the new WordPress version, which we talked about. And I don't think it's a problem with the WordPress version. I think it's a problem with the plugin choice. So I think if you're careful about the plugins you choose, then you're not going to have that problem. Um, but we do still get customers having that problem because they don't really understand that every time you install a dodgy plugin, you're kind of putting your site at risk. Right. Question about that. Let's say WordPress comes out with a new version tomorrow. I upgrade, and then all of a sudden I have plugins that are out of date. Does that mean like I get rid of them, or should I? You know, what is there a typical turnaround time for plugins to be up to date when new WordPress versions come out? Well, I think that most of the developers know when the versions are coming out because they get pre-release access to them. So, like, the good plugins will generally work pretty well with the new version of WordPress anyway. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it only really becomes a big problem if you've got all sorts of weird and wonderful plugins on there that that really, like, that aren't really part of the WordPress ecosystem. So, they don't really understand when the new versions are coming out. Um, but, again, it's 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 a problem you can very easily avoid if you've got a good host that lets you do easy backups, back it up, upgrade it, give the site a quick test, and if everything's working okay, then then that's fine. But I would generally, if there's something to be upgraded, I'm, I'm generally err on the side of upgrading it and keeping it secure and up-to-date than I would leaving it and just sort of on the off chance that something might go wrong. Nice. Nice, Dan. Anything else? That's that's all I've all I've got. They're the main things. I mean, we I think we've, I don't know how many jobs we're doing now, probably 150, 200 a day, and it's all sorts of stuff, but they're definitely the, the bigger ones that are kind of, security or speed related or like plugins clashing or things breaking are are generally caused by those 10 things yeah i mean if i had this episode to listen to when i first started it would have saved me a lot of time so hopefully this is very useful for everybody out there especially for those of you just starting out sort of a really quick education on what should be happening behind the scenes on your wordpress site to make it optimized and, and give it the best chance to deliver the kind of value that you know you want to deliver to your audience Dan, at the beginning you said you had a special offer. I didn't know you were doing this, um, <laughs> but I'm actually really curious. What what do you have for us? Yeah, well, one thing I one thing I like doing, and it's not really that exciting. I'm not going to give anything away or anything. But one thing I really like <laughs> no, doing kidding. is reviewing people's sites. Um, cool. So what I was thinking is, if if your audience want to reply in the comments on the episode and just post the link to their site. Are they able to do that in your discuss? You don't mind if they post the URL to their site? No, I let them post one link before it kind of goes into pending. Um, yep. So, okay, so post a link to their site and then what? 
yeah, if you want feedback on your site, and generally my feedback will be something to do with design or conversions. So if you just want someone who's built hundreds of websites before and deals with this, this stuff every day to give you feedback on you know how your site looks, how, how it's looking for conversions, then post it in the comments and I'll reply and give you three three tips on how to improve the site. And if I can't think of three things, I'll ask some of my startup friends to have a look and, and think up some tips. Awesome, Dan. I, lo- I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, it'll be out mid-month uh, for everybody out there and you'll have to the end of October 2014 to add the URL to your site. This will be cool because we'll all get to see what everybody is doing as well and kind of get uh, you know, a professional's uh, point of view on that. Again, Dan Norris from WP Curve, his uh, co-founder Alex wasn't able to join us today, but what's up, Alex, if you listen to this, thanks for all your help. And uh, WP Curve, for those of you who want to pay us a flat monthly fee to get help on your WordPress site whenever things come up and uh, just making sure things are optimized on your site. My affiliate link for that is smartpassiveincome.com slash WP Curve. And Dan, any final words of wisdom before, before I let you go? No, I mean, I think I've I've been through a lot of stuff. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. If people have got any questions, if, if you want to do the site thing, I'm really looking forward to the comments. If you want to email me, I'm just dan at wpcurve.com. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of helping your audience out a bit more. Love it, Dan. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan Norris from wpcurve.com. Again, if you'd like to get hooked up with the service, you can go through my affiliate link, which is smartpassiveincome.com slash wpcurve. And if you'd like to get to the show notes and also go to the blog so you can leave a comment and get direct feedback from Dan, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 134, since this is episode 134. So again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 134. Oh, and you actually might remember that Dan mentioned in the episode that he was going to do this and leave feedback for you till the end of October. Well, it's November already, so of course that's already passed. This is because I recorded this earlier, published it just now. Well, I just got confirmation from Dan that he would be willing to do this till the end of November. So till the end of November, he's going to be there in the comment section. Check out your sites and leave feedback for you as much as he possibly can. Of course, remember he's doing this for free, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, so till the end of November... Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening in today. I hope that has somehow, in some way, shape, or form, improved what you have going on online. And I'd also like to thank today's awesome sponsor, one of my favorite companies lately. This is lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. For those of you who've never heard of Lynda, this is an awesome platform for learning anything. And they have a lot of stuff that's extremely relevant to us. Topics ranging from business skills to communication, leadership, management, online marketing, productivity, and even skills specific for a lot of software that way we might be using like photoshop or adobe indesign how to use your digital photographies uh, you know how to use your dslr camera which is a course that i'm currently taking right now i'm about halfway through right now um, this is like one of the best companies out there these videos in these courses are not just little youtube videos you know they're not put together in somebody's home these are studio quality you know the, the courses that are broken into bite-sized pieces so you can learn at your own pace and uh, with tools to go along with them like transcripts and things like that it's, it is seriously an amazing experience to go through lynda.com a ton of videos over a hundred thousand different things you could look at and uh, what's really cool is i've worked out a deal with them so all of you who are listening to the show right now you can try lynda.com for free for seven days so if you go to lynda.com slash spi you can try it out for free for seven days full access to all their courses that's lynda.com slash spi Thank you again so much for listening in. The show notes, you can leave a comment again at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 134. 
Cheers, take care, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.